Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Kosher dietary laws as well as what to eat and drink during Passover with kosher chef Daniel Israel. Really, wine is, is fermented grapes and there's nothing... You know, there's no wheat involved in it. Beer is not kosher. Beer for is not kosher for Passover. Tequila, 100% agave tequila, even without a kosher supervision, is kosher for Passover. So usually we'll do wine, margaritas, and you could get very special- important <laughs> to know. <laughs> important <laughs> information here. Get the tequila for Passover. Yeah, yeah, and make sure it's make sure it's the good stuff because that's the only one that's kosher for Passover. If you insist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he divulges recipes too. This is a podcast about food in and around Philadelphia. That's a quick, delicious, flavorful bite. It was really hard for me to get into it. Stories from behind the kitchen. This is a wood-burning oven from Italy. It is intense. And hear about quirky stuff, too. Eat a pint of ice cream as quickly as you can, and then resume the 5K. This is What's Cooking on KYW. I'm Hanas Kuznets at 7588 Haverford Avenue with Daniel Israel. He's the catering manager at Deluxe Catering here in Overbrook. And of course, we're talking about Passover. This is a very unique catering company because it has a Jewish Orthodox supervision. And Passover is a holiday that is very particular when it comes to the types of foods that are permitted. So Daniel, let's start with kashrut. What is the difference between kosher versus kosher for Passover? Kosher versus kosher for Passover. Over. So kosher is when all food coming in is basically under super kosher supervision for the exceptions of produce and, you know, maybe some pasta, something like that. Kosher for Passover is different because essentially we're gluten free other than matzah for Passover. So we're only allowed to have matzah. We're not allowed to have pasta, no bread, no crackers, unless it's like matzah or matzah crackers. So anything that contains wheat or bread of any kind so you know no breading nothing like that there are alternatives but they're gluten-free alternatives they're not made of wheat and they're not made of you know they're they're not made of like barley any kind of wheat like that so that's like the biggest difference between kosher and kosher for passover passover is a very kosher plus the extra level right because you have to be kosher anyway and then you can't have the bread yeah a lot of us we go overboard with uh passover is probably the one thing that we go overboard on like people have you know they have christmas and thanksgiving we have passover and we have rosh hashanah 
So Passover, we take all our dishes away, we pack them up, put them in a, in a cabinet, tape the cabinet shut or put it in the basement, put it away. And we, then we bring up the Passover stuff that's like put in our storage. Mine is my garage. We bring it all out, we clean everything up, and then we use only Passover equipment and only Passover food. All the stuff that's not kosher for Passover, which is basically everything, we put it in our fridge downstairs or we consume it beforehand or whatever it is it's gotta be out of the house but, well i mean like we try to we try to consume everything and if not then we'll put it in our extra fridge that we have in the basement if not then then yeah you have to like you're not really supposed to even see it because we end up selling it actually if you don't consume it you sell it to the rabbi and the rabbi sells it to someone else like symbolically yeah so yeah so basically you're not supposed to own any wheat products except for matzah so we sell it and the rabbi sells it off and then you know we don't we don't own it that's like the the jewish law and uh you could also do it online you don't have to know a rabbi you can go on chabad.org and you can just sell it on there that's what almost everyone does so there are certain things you can and can't eat which is why we have you here because you got to give us some ideas i know people some some people that aren't used to cooking special passover stuff might end up living on matzah brie which is matzah and eggs Right. Yeah. So for me, that's not my favorite. My favorite is matzo ball soup. I would say that's probably like the staple of Passover. Matzo ball soup. Like people enjoy matzo ball soup all year round. But really like matzo ball soup is like for Passover, you know? It's become like an all year round thing, right? There was a time when it was only Passover, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I make matzo balls all year round. But the matzo ball, matzo meal that I use all year round, it's not even kosher for Passover. So I have to get, I have to get. Passover matzo meal for ma- for matzo balls on Passover. But I would say that and like brisket. I would say those two things is probably like the two things that almost everybody will have at their Passover Seder. Also with the Seder plate. So usually a lot of people, you know, they'll have the egg, they'll have the lamb shank or any kind of resemblance of a lamb shank. They'll have a lettuce or, you know, potato and the matzah and the wine. Wine is my favorite part, to be honest. <laughs> After I'm done making all the food, it's nice to get off my feet and just drink and enjoy with my family. And it's just great to relax. Well, it makes a wine kosher for Passover. Uh, there's, there are wines that are not kosher for Passover. I would say that 99% of kosher wine is kosher for Passover. So I'm not exactly sure what makes it not kosher for Passover. But I mean, really, wine is, is fermented grapes and there's nothing... You know, there's no wheat involved in it. Beer is not kosher Beer for Passover. Beer is not kosher for Passover. Tequila, 100% agave tequila, even without a kosher supervision, is kosher for Passover. So usually we'll do wine, margaritas, and you could get... Very stuff. important to know. <laughs> important information here. Get the tequila for Passover. Yeah, yeah. And make sure it's, make sure it's the good stuff, because that's the only one that's kosher for Passover. If you insist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk food. So you got the brisket you got the matzo ball soup and that's like for the big meal which is the seder what are you eating during the week because you're not cooking big meals like what do you eat well like i said i you know i eat like gluten-free i eat healthier me i don't really even like matzah so i'll eat it like just for the seder plate for the symbolic and because you're supposed to for the seder but during the week i basically just eat a like a low carb diet so you know, usually I'll make eggs almost every day. Every morning I'll make eggs. And then for lunch, I'll probably make like some fish. And then for dinner, I'll have chicken. 
And then for the sides, usually I'll double up on starches or I'll do quinoa or potatoes, heavy on potatoes usually. Me, I'm Sephardic, so we're allowed to eat rice and beans and stuff like that. But they call it like legumes, legumes. I don't know how you pronounce it. I understand there's some different dietary laws for different sects of Judaism. Right. So it's called kitneo. Okay. So kitneo is basically... It's basically legumes and it's like beans and rice and different grains. It's not necessarily wheat. And really the reason why we don't eat it or a lot of people don't eat it is because long ago when things were shipped in trade, they were shipped in the same boats and the same carts as wheat. So because they would contaminate one another, wheat would get into you know, into the beans and, you know, into the rice and this and that. So most people just stay away from it all, basically. But the conservative rabbis, to my understanding, have actually passed a law that everybody under their movement can have kidney oat. I actually kind of agree with that. And so we, we eat kidney oat, we eat rice, we eat beans. I didn't know that that was the reason. I thought it was like more biblical or historical. Well, I mean, I mean, it is history, but it's not biblical. It's just a matter of tradition. So Really, I don't think it should be really much of a concern, uh, especially because not all over not not all over the world the trade has been the same. So this is actually like if you just eat healthy, just cut out the bread. Because I I always thought about it as like it's really difficult to cook because the seder is such a I don't know if you grew up with it and mom or grandma or whomever cooked such good food. This is not the food you're eating all week. Right. Yeah. So it's it's mostly a lot of comfort food. So like you have the comfort food, but you all, and then you have like the healthy, but it's like healthy comfort food. So it's heavy on meats uh, and heavy on veggies. We also do like we we always do matzah pizza. Like you know we take a matzah, you know we put a little tomato sauce on it, and then throw some cheese on it, throw it in the oven or the toaster oven, and put it on for like ten minutes, and and we're like you know we get our our fill of uh, of carbs that way. The kids will eat that. Everybody will eat that. <laughs> matzo pizza, I guess you could do matzo nachos. I haven't had matzo nachos. Matzo lasagna is actually pretty good. You soak the matzo for like, I think for like a few seconds and then you put it in a tray and then you sauce and cheese and layer it up and that actually is pretty good. Yeah, I you put it in a like in a casserole pan, you know, because a Passover, I don't normally have like those Passover equipment. I like to use, I use uh, recyclable disposables. So you just put it right in the oven and you could cover it or not cover it and then just throw it in the oven with some cheese and sauce and you're good to go. It's like a lasagna. No meat if you're adding cheese. No meat, right. The basic rules of kosher, no meat and cheese in the same meal. Definitely not in the same meal. So is it good? Like matzah sauce cheese layered? That's that's good? Oh, yeah. It's delicious. It tastes like, I mean, it's delicious. I guess it tastes it's, like matzah pizza. Right. It's matzah, It's like matzah pizza, but it's layered. It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. So, like, you know, it, it it's a compromise. You know, going from non-kosher to kosher, like, you make compromises. Like, it's, and then you're going from kosher to Passover kosher. That's even the, you know, a, a big compromise, too. So, you know, giving up the pork or giving up the shrimp, and now you're giving up all gluten altogether. It's like, it's, it's, it's hard, but you know what? It's for a week and it's okay to change a diet, you know, change a diet for a week and recognize what you're, what you're putting into your body. But usually I stay away from matzah altogether. You find it to be spiritual when you're, cause you're a chef and then you have like these dietary restrictions that you have to add on top of that. It helps you put, like, it helps me on myself because I need to be disciplined. 
And for me, it's hard to stay disciplined. So I like to have a good routine and practice good discipline, whether it's exercising or eating healthy or having a good balance in life, but also being disciplined to work and be focused and being disciplined in life altogether. I feel like the rabbis, like they put that in place, like it it really helps all around in my life because I can be disciplined and focused in anything I set my mind to. So by the time people hear this, It'll be the Jewish Sabbath is Shabbat, and that then that rolls right into Passover this year. So by the time they, they hear this, you will be done working. But tell me what goes into transforming the kitchen and creating the kosher catering for Passover, because you're working hard here. Yeah, so we, we had actually already flipped over for Passover on Thursday. So we flipped over on Thursday and then like a week, a week ago. Yeah, last week. And it costs it costs a significant amount of money because it, we have a lot of equipment. We have to change over a lot and we have to have the rabbis come and we have to kosher everything. It's they bring the torches and they boil water and they I mean, like, it's really it's really crazy. And it gets like, Wait, do you have like, to change your equipment or do you have to clean the equipment? So all the permanent equipment, like the ovens and the stoves, like they stay. And we kasha them, we clean them very, very thoroughly. And they basically have to look like they're brand new before kashering them. So that's basically like, you know, with me and my crew, I let, you know, everyone know that has to look like brand new. And, you know, and we go over it and then we go over it again and then we go over it again until until everybody gets it. Like it really does need to look like it's brand new before koshering everything. And not everything is kosherable, but like all the metalware, like the pots and the pans, that's all kosherable. The nonstick is not like plastic and wood usually are not. So we have a whole different set of them. So oftentimes, you know, we always feel like, you know, it's coming up and we always have to buy new stuff. Every year, I feel like we're constantly buying new stuff. I don't know why I keep buying more equipment every Passover, but I do because I. You, you know. don't have a spot in your garage or something to keep it. Oh yeah, we have storage, absolutely. But because we're growing so much, and every year is bigger than the last year, we always need more. So who checks it? The rabbis come in and check oh, it. Oh yeah. So the rabbis they come and they check it. We schedule it like you know, it'd be like six of us. It would clean all week, all day. And we would go through there that we would, we would clean everything and the rabbi will come in in the beginning, go through everything. They'll come in the middle and double check to make sure things are clean enough. They go, Uh, nope, not keep going. Exactly. And then they'll come back and then I'll be like, okay, this is good. And then they'll kosher everything. And then there's always this like the last disappointment stuff that's like not clean enough and they can't kosher it. And sometimes they have to buy brand new or clean it on the spot and you know and and cash you know like uh, pots or something uh yeah pots pans this year it was peelers but yeah the peelers were not clean enough yeah because they have they have their little crevices in them at least it's just peelers not like an oven right right <laughs> it's not a big deal i mean you go to the store and buy a peeler for a couple of dollars it's not a big deal yeah yeah so then when passover passover is over then you have a, this beautiful clean kitchen right yeah as a matter of fact when we go and do events we do kosher events all over at different venues. They they love getting kosher events because they they leave their ovens and their stoves and this and that like all dirty. And before we're even allowed in there, we clean the oven like it's brand new. And they love us for it. <laughs> oh, you have to go in. That's part of it because you can't yeah. use their... You have to make it kosher. Right, exactly. So we go in there, we clean it like it's brand new and we kosher it and... We do our event and then they get their kitchen and all their equipment back like 
much much cleaner than than they than they left it oh would you like the kosher in my kitchen (laughs) (laughs) probably not (laughs) what do you like best about passover that's a good question i would say the wine probably the wine and uh (laughs) definitely the tequila is vodka kosher too or no you could potato vodka is kosher you could get potato vodka usually they're there's, you have to get like the certified one because even potato vodka would be mixed sometimes with wheat. So potato vodka, you could get potato vodka, yes. Um, you could get brandy. Um, I don't necessarily recommend them. They're not of greatest quality for Passover. And so you were saying that you, you like the wine for Passover. What else? The wine, I love the brisket. The brisket, the potato kogel. I'm Sephardi, so I do things a little bit different, uh, Middle Eastern. So we're allowed to have things that a lot of people aren't. So a part of the Seder place is called Karpas. So a lot of people, the traditional thing that they do is they do parsley and they dip it in the salt water. So Karpas isn't, isn't like a dedicated uh, vegetable. It could be any kind of vegetable, really. So I like to change it up. Just to get the kids and everybody being like, why are we dipping this? What, you know? what do you use? Uh, so last year we did corn on the cob and we dip corn on the cob. It's also a nice snack, much more filling than, than a piece of parsley when you're <laughs> sitting at a, a long Seder story. So yeah, so... Does after- it have to be a green vegetable or no? No, any, any vegetable, any vegetable will do. And you can just dip it in salt water. Uh, I, I, I actually think I'll go to do corn on the cob again this year. I feel like the corn on the cob with the salt water is like perfect. A little salty. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your, you said the brisket is the favorite food. Do you have a method or a recipe that you want to give us, whether it's brisket or something else? I know you gave us the, the matzo pizza and the lasagna. What do you have that's like fancy that, that we can work on? Okay. So the thing that I would recommend the most is, definitely doing brisket and a lot of people get nervous when they do a brisket sometimes it's such a big piece of meat and it's like it's a really tough piece of meat but really the secret is to do it low and slow and not to worry um so what i normally do is i'll do like red wine and brown sugar maybe a little bit of barbecue sauce or to you know tomato paste um but really the red wine and the brown sugar really make it all and then you could put whatever you want in it onions carrots or whatever wrap it really really well um really tight and put it in the oven i put i do it overnight so i'll put it in overnight for like at least 12 16 hours at like 200 degrees and it it comes out so tender so really low and really slow yeah and you know what i don't even have to worry about it because you know you you don't i don't use the oven at night like i don't have to worry about putting something else in the oven so it's you know you just set it and forget it you wake up you take it out it's done 12 hours uh, 12, yeah, you want to give it at least 12 hours. Yeah, you can do, you could do up to 16 hours. Just make sure that your oven is really running at 200 degrees. Oftentimes when an oven, sometimes when the oven is that low, it's really not so accurate. Sometimes it's higher temperature than it says and sometimes it's lower than it says. So you test it with a thermometer? Yeah, I'm familiar with my oven, but yeah, so. Yeah, you definitely get a thermometer that uh, that goes in there. Even an infrared thermometer would work. While we're on the topic of Passover, do you happen to know what the r- rules of kashrut are for Zoom? For Zoom. Because it's probably going to be another Zoom holiday for right. a lot of people. Right. Um, I know you're not a rabbi or anything, but... 
No, I honestly, I don't know. I like to, I like to stay with my family. I mean, we're we're doing like different. Like I'm having my, like my nuclear family, my direct family. Like I'm not having my cousins. I'm not having my aunts or my uncles. I'm just having my parents. You know, our brothers and sisters, and that's it. You know, like we're not. But we're we're still we're still ten people or twelve people, you know, instead of thirty people, you know, and all our other family, our extended family, our cousins, our aunts and uncles, they get with, with theirs. And usually, when it's not COVID, people will go one night with us and then one night with the other side of the family, the in-laws. But a lot of people aren't doing that this year. How does it feel to have a second COVID holiday? Yeah, we're we're much more prepared for it, to be honest. I mean, like, it kind of, like, sprung up on us uh, last year because it just, like, it, it came right after uh, the holiday Purim, uh, which is basically, like, the Halloween, which is, like, in March. It's the Jewish Halloween. Um, so last year, last year was, was great for business because everybody that was planning to make everything and bring all their family in, now all the... You know, they're not, they didn't do that because... Because kids don't know how to cook. They're going to go to mom and dad's house, right? Exactly. <laughs> so everybody, everybody ordered. So last year, Passover was very, uh, was very busy. It was very busy. There was a lot of people that had no idea, like, what to, what to do with Passover. They couldn't be with their parents even and their grandparents and their other families. So they had to order in. Um, Is this your similar though? Like, are people not gathering? So if you're not going to mom and dad's house... And you're going to have grandma and grandpa's food, you know, Saba and Safta's food. Then, and you're like kind of young. You got to figure it out. Uh, yeah. So there is definitely, there's definitely that happening, but not as much as last year. Because this year already, like all the pe- the grandparents, the parents, like a lot of them have had been vaccinated. I got my first vaccination uh, last week. A lot of people are already, you know, vaccinated that are high risk. So there's not as much of a concern this year, this Passover, as it was last Passover. It gives me hope. It really does. All right. Give us, tell, tell us about the catering here. How many meals are you sending out for Passover? Uh, well, it's hard to tell individual meals and we don't have any minimums ever. Uh, how but, many like families or how many like. So you know. a lot of things are a la carte, but I mean, we're doing. You know, over a thousand for sure. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to, to, to gauge like how many people because people are ordering from other people's and a lot of people are actually like the community is really liking to help others and they order, you know, they add stuff to their order and they order, they send it to someone else, uh, that's, that's in need or can't leave their house or, or, or to their, you know, to their parents or whatever it is. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And also when people order, they don't order just for that Seder. They order for lunch the next day. They order for the second Seder or this or the lunch on the second uh, on the second day. Uh, you know, and the, so it's it's really hard to gauge like how many people we're feeding. But I mean, like if I had to guess how many meals we're feeding, probably like six thousand. Wow. Would you consider this like food-wise, from a food perspective, like the Jewish Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I would say Rosh Hashanah is like the Jewish Thanksgiving. Passover is also like the Thanksgiving. It's not like, there's nothing that's like Christmas, really. I mean, like Hanukkah, yeah, no, but like, it, it's, compl- yes. it's different. I would, say, yeah. I would say Passover and Rosh Hashanah, I would say both, but I would say more Rosh Hashanah, uh, but you know, there, there's a holiday, Jewish holiday, like almost every month. So it's so nice to, 
you know, to celebrate and, you know, to just remember, you know, where we come from and, you know, our lineage and our heritage and be with family and celebrate over food. And with Jews, it's always wine. So uh, we really love, love wine. Um, yeah. The, the so rabbi, what are you looking for? Tell everybody what you're looking for on the label. So anytime we're looking for something kosher, generally it has like most people don't even notice that keep kosher on how to look for a kosher label. So oftentimes there's like the OR, like the R with the, with like a circle around it. That's like a, I think that's a copyright, right? So there's one that looks just like that. Instead of an R, it's a U. Uh, and that means kosher. That's the Orthodox Union. Um, there's the O, that's called the OU. Then there's the OK. There's a K inside. And those two are probably the most popular kosher sup- supervision uh, a- uh, agencies. But if they have a P on the right next to it, it means it's for kosher for Passover. So it's super duper kosher. It's super duper kosher. <laughs> well, happy Passover for you. You do two seders. We do, we do two seders. This year it's, it's, uh, it's Shabbat. It's a Sabbath. So we're going to do this. So everything for Passover has got to be ready before, uh, the weekend starts on Sabbath. And then it goes, when Sabbath ends, it, there's no break. It goes straight to Passover and the, and, you know, the Seder. Uh, so there's no break. So it's, it really, it, I look at it as more of a vacation, to be honest, because I, I work a lot and I like to just, I mean, like, we don't have any electronics. The kids aren't, like, all over our, the Disney Channel, and we're not on our phones, and we really just... You're not allowed. Like, right. So we really, we just spend good quality time together, and it's, like, the best, you know, it's the best time of the year. Not just Passover, but but Shabbat in general. Every Friday night to Saturday, just turn everything off and, and spend quality time with the family. So Passover is eight days? It's eight days. It's seven days in Israel. Though. The reason why is complicated, but it's got to do some, uh, I think something with like the time zones. So after eight days of keeping kosher for Passover, no bread, what's the first thing you like to eat when it's over? Pasta or pizza or bagels, pasta, pizza and bagels. Yeah, that's that's all I think about. Yeah, You crave that when you get to the end of the week? Do I crave it? Yeah, I do. I, I crave it. I crave it towards the end of the, of the week for sure. I would say definitely probably more pasta than anything. Because pizza, you got matzo pizza. Bagels, like I enjoy, but I don't eat bagels all the time. I don't eat bagels. You know, I don't eat bagels even that often. I mean, a lot of people don't even call me Jewish because I don't <laughs> eat lox really. But pasta, yeah. Well, have a good safe happy kosher passover thank you thank you you too daniel israel is catering manager for deluxe catering in overbrook at 7588 haverford avenue they're off for passover and they'll be back right after the holiday i'm assuming yeah we're open we're open during the holiday as well if anybody needs or or any time after that more than happy to help you don't work during the holiday though do you uh sometimes we do but not not on the yuntif not on the during the seder days there are certain days where you can work and certain days where you can't for the, during that week. Yeah, generally it's the first uh, couple days. Give them a call and they'll pick it up when they can, right? Exactly. Thank you so much, Daniel. Happy Passover. Thank you. Happy Passover, everyone. That's it for this episode of What's Cooking on KYW. You can follow the show and get other delicious tidbits on Instagram at foodinthe215. And follow me on Twitter and Facebook for more news and insights at Hadas Kuznets. 
If you have a food tip or feedback about the show, reach out. And please take a moment to help us by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. It helps us to keep making the podcast and get it to new listeners. I'm Hadas Kuznets, and that's What's Cooking. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 